the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. I don't think we've seen this much rain in months and months and months, huh? I mean, holy smokes. A little frightening there during the evening last night. Was it coming down? It was really coming down. Yeah. Yeah. Made you feel good you were inside. How are things for you today? Happy Thursday, John. Yes. Glad Happy to see you Thursday, today. Thursday, indeed. Mm-hmm. Got a good show for you here for the next couple of hours, so thanks for coming along today. Yep. Yeah. What's going on with you? Anything new? Well, not a whole lot, John. Mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> I, it's one of those just, it's one of those rainy Thursdays. It is. It's just one of those days when you're just trying to keep things going. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I don't know. I was considering our uh, our discussion about exercise yesterday. I have got to get my uh, high-impact workout back in my daily life. It's been out since Christmas, and I need to get it back. Mm -hmm. But every time – I'm serious. This is going to sound so lame. Mm -hmm. Every time I wake up and I'm like, okay, I I just got to do that today, something happens. Mm -hmm. Every time. Every time. Something happens where I'm like, oh, I didn't – I forgot I had to do that. And then I end up – and I don't do it. And I'm – I'm deteriorating yep. as the days go by. Physical. You guys, I am. Getting weaker and weaker. I've been noticing that myself. I don't want to say anything. What, that I'm getting weaker and weaker? You're just deteriorating. Hey, Kat. Shut I, up, John. I don't want to bring that up to you. That's not true. But you said it, not me. So It's really frustrating. Just saying. It's I mean, his life, Kat. I was moving Good some, intentions. I was moving some furniture last night, and I was like, oh, I've lost a lot of strength in my arms. <laughs> <laughs> Here it comes. You guys, one foot in the grave. Just, Here it comes. I mean, I worked out every five days a week for almost two years, and then it goes away so and quickly. And then my wrists, doesn't it? I hurt my wrists, and then it all went to heck. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Maybe by me talking about it with, on fifty thousand nope. watts with all these tens no, of, of thousands not. of people, I'm going to feel a sense of accountability. First of all, a uh, couple things: people, people are disinterested in your exercise because they're feeling bad about their own. Maybe they're feeling great about their own and no. they're looking down on me like no, a poor woman. She's not even doing so. anything. If you're exercising regularly, you know, you listen to like pumped up music yep. and you got like yep. heavy duty sneakers on and whatnot. Yep. Right? You're not listening to us. <laughs> if you're at the gym listening to us right now. Well, you might not be at the gym listening to us. Maybe you probably worked out already today and mm-hmm. now you're listening to us. Well, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have a bag of chips. Okay. Wait, Lex. Lex just rolled her eyes. Like, really? I just kind of got a roller. What, how can, why are you rolling your eyes? It's <laughs> the truth. Love, I just what? love to. I'm gonna have a bag of chips. Okay. <laughs> Lex, do you have a workout routine? Um, I used to, and then I went on a cruise and I completely fell off it. So. And then you had a bag of chips. Yeah, I did. So there you go. <laughs> the bag of chips, chips is what starts it out, Lex. <laughs> yeah. I rolled my eyes because it was so relatable. It is so relatable. It's not. You know. I gotta get my act together. All right. Fine. All right. All right. Keep us in. Keep us in. Uh, I'll keep you in the loop there. Okay. I will. I mean, because what the heck? Who doesn't want to hear about someone's exercise no. routine that's not working? 
Okay. It's a low bar. Though. All right. All right. Let's look at the news. Calvin, right. wait, That's coming up on up. today's show, um, mm-hmm. Amy Peeler uh, from Wheaton College with us in the five o'clock hour uh, to talk about um, an article that came out on Twitter written by a, uh, a Christian author. It got a lot of criticism. The Gospel Coalition had to pull the article back. And we're going to try to talk about it in a way that's not like finger pointing. We're not trying to make anybody feel bad no, or no. like cl- climb we'll on. We'll talk about why it got a lot of feedback, right. pushback. Yeah. Um, the lordship. Yeah. So we'll talk about that um, and also talk about how it is that Christians engage publicly with one another and, and issues that they disagree no, on. Because good. I don't feel like we're doing such a hot job of that. Mm. Also, King's College is facing a closure. They are located in Manhattan. Empire State Building. Yep. Uh, I don't think they're not in the Empire State Building anymore. They've left. They were, yeah, oh. yeah. Um, but there's Part some the scrutiny uh, that has turned to the backers of King's College, and so we'll talk about that also shame. in the five o'clock hour. Uh, David French with us in this hour, columnist for the New York Times. Uh, what if kids are sad and stressed? David is asking because their parents are. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little bit of an indictment. Exercise maybe. is the answer. Yeah, it could be yeah, it. For everybody. Um, also, there's a new Netflix series on the Waco siege coming up on the 30th mm. anniversary of that in a couple of weeks. Um, so there's a lot going on. And today's, plus, it's National Puppy Day. National Puppy Day. Yeah. Uh, Uh-oh, you're thinking about a puppy. No, I'm not. Are you? Oh, you're no, not no, thinking no, about a puppy. No, no, okay. no, no, no. I'm thinking about a dog. I just don't. A puppy's a little too much. A puppy's a lot. I can right? only imagine. I just... I don't have it in me for a puppy. Okay. I mean, that's my exercise routine. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing a puppy. Maybe a, a dog who's like a year old would be okay. great, be okay. fabulous. But that whole puppy thing, phooey. You never had a puppy, did you? Never did. Mm-hmm. Lex, you got a puppy? Yeah, mm. uh, I had a puppy before, and my one dog had puppies. Oh, so. I, I, my one dog had puppies. Yeah, she had nine dogs. Nine <gasps> puppies. So. Holy smokes. Oh, my God. Gosh, mm-hmm. nice. And we and we kept one of them, so. Oh, yeah. wow. Holy smokes. It's a Mormon dog. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Just a litter. All right. Okay. Hey, okay, without further ado, uh, let's look at the news stories. All right. Here's the top four at four. For Thursday, the 23rd of March, 2023, I give you number one. Thank you. House lawmakers today pummeled, and I mean pummeled, TikTok Chief Executive Xiao Zichu about potential Chinese government influence over the platform, as well as promotion of misleading and harmful content. And of course, this is all going on as tensions between the U.S. and China are growing mm. for several reasons, including a spy balloon. The House Energy and Commerce Committee chair, and I'm reading here from the Wall Street Journal today, Representative Kathy Rogers, a Republican from Washington, opened the hearing by asking Mr. Chu to state with 100 percent certainty that the Chinese government couldn't use TikTok to surveil Americans or manipulate the content that Americans see. That was the opening salvo? That was the opening question. Mm, and how was Mr. That re- Chu said the company's committed to firewalling U.S. user data from all unwanted foreign access and would keep content free from any manipulation from any government. Mrs. Rogers said back, if you can't say it 100% certain, I take it as a no. Mm-hmm. And then she said, liar, liar, pants, pants on And it fire. wasn't just the Republicans. Um, Representative Frank Pallone of New Jersey, the panel's top Democrat, also said, I still believe that the Beijing government will control and have the ability to influence what you do if you are on TikTok and don't say it's just a benign company performing a public service. (laughs) Now, listen to this. Near the conclusion, Representative Kat Kamek from Florida showed a TikTok video depicting a handgun firing 
with a caption that alluded to today's hearing, as well as Mrs. Rogers, who's in charge of the hearing. Whoa. Noting that the video had been online for 41 days, she said, you expect us to believe you're capable of maintaining the data security, privacy and security of 150 million Americans where you can't even protect the people in this room? Touche. That was that. Number two. I think I said the word security twice. I didn't notice. A drug trafficking investigation in West Virginia has led to the largest meth seizure in the state's history. Operation Smoke and Mirrors, an eight-month-long investigation, led to 54 arrests and over 200 pounds of meth being seized, the Department of Justice said in a news release today. Officials also seized 28 pounds of cocaine, 20 pounds of fentanyl, 18 firearms, and $747,000 in cash. Number three. Coffee lovers, take heart. America's favorite stimulant might not be so risky for cardiac health after all, says today's Wall Street Journal. Coffee consumption does not increase abnormal heartbeats associated with an increased risk of the most common heart rhythm disturbance, according to a new study published today Mm. in the New England Journal of Medicine. How about that? The common arrhythmia known as atrial fibrillation, is not caused or worsened by caffeine, despite the widespread belief among many physicians and patients that coffee should be avoided in these conditions. Does that make you feel better? Cup and Joe. Fill it up to the brim. And number four, March Madness resumes this evening. evening. So if you like yourself some college basketball, tonight's your night. How many games this evening? uh, Four? How can can they all be? You're going to miss some. Or is it six? Anyway, that's They're all overlapping, right? Well, you have to have multiple channels. You know, some's going on CBS News, or it's not CBS News, on CBS, and some is on True TV, True TV which yeah. I'd never heard of Didn't you? until uh, March Madness started, and I had to get a free subscription to a streaming True service TV? so that I could watch it. That's where the funny guys are. What, who are the guys? The Impractical Jokers. There you go. Mm, yeah. Funny guys. Yeah, True TV. I don't get True TV on my now uh, you have it. internet TV. Well, no, I don't, because I'm only using a two-month or two-week free subscription, Ooh. and then what I purchased is Don't going Don't forget away. to disconnect. Exactly, because yeah. you know what that's yep, going to be like. I do know what that's like. Anyway, right. do you feel good about the caffeine thing? Yeah. Who doesn't like... Cardiologists have long considered coffee a potential heart health risk in individuals with underlying conditions, but mm. no more. All right, well, maybe drinking, I'll have a cup. Drinking two or more cups a day was associated with twice the risk of heart death in people with severe hypertension, but other research has shown an association between moderate coffee intake and a reduced risk of really? mortality you want to be in that group the reduced risk always okay right i mean so all these years they've been saying this about coffee now they're saying my bad mm-hmm. so all those people i know skip their second cup yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> americans drank 517 million cups of coffee a day last year a day mm-hmm. That's a nice. day and you don't drink any coffee no coffee lex you're drinking some coffee yeah i do okay good little joe here let's have a cup right now Celebrate. For National Puppy Day. Speed up your heart. Here comes puppy. 101.5 WORD. The current school year is not even over, but Word FM is already talking about heading back to school. Back to school! If you've ever considered sending your child to a Christian school, but the cost was holding you back, check out the WORD half-price tuition deals now at wordfm.com. Send your child to a school that's teaching them the same values you're teaching at home for the full year, but only pay for half. See the complete list of schools now at wordfm.com slash tuitions. If you've heard any of our radio commercials here on Word FM, you know that we like funny stories that make us smile. This is 
is not one of those commercials. I read this week that over one-third of U.S. adults now owe more in credit card debt than they have saved. Add in the fact that milk and gas and kids' clothes and everything is out of control. And I think it's fair to say it's a scary time for a lot of good people. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And if that's you, I do believe a cash-out refinance, pulling out some of the value your home has earned the last few years, could be a saving grace. Yes, mortgage interest rates are up, but credit card rates are about three to five times higher. We've helped hundreds of listeners do this, using a cash out to rid of the credit card debt and then saving some extra aside for the road ahead. And it's undoubtedly a life changer for many. If you'd like to chat about your situation, we are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Corp. Melbourne, New York. And a blessing for 1330. That's Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I'm Corey, and this is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates, and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity, and so I decided to call. Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt. I'm saving thousands and things are really looking up. I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you called Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life. And it was the best thing I could have done for myself because once I called Trinity, they took care of me and I felt such a relief, a weight off my shoulders. Trinity was great to work with. They wanted to help me. I love it. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. I'm Corey and I'm debt free for kids. 1-800-936-5496. Rama Christian School is enrolling now. Rama is a private school in Moon Township serving children in preschool through 8th grade. Recognized for its commitment to a biblically integrated curriculum that nurtures a Christian worldview and academic excellence, Rama aims to develop the whole child, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially. Rama is a true community of families who desire to raise up the next generation of godly leaders, also offering programs for homeschool families. For tuition and enrollment information, visit RamaChristianSchool.org. What parallels does big tech and the church share? Eugene Park is back with us. He's the associate pastor of True North Church in Palo Alto, California, host of a podcast called Off the Pulpit. Hey, Eugene, welcome back. How you doing? Hey, good to see you guys. Good to see you. Welcome back, Eugene. So you're in the heart of Silicon Valley. We are in the heart of the Rust Belt here, so, you know, our environments are a little different. We have Um, high tech here. We do have high tech here, but it's not the same, right? It's not – high tech has kind of come into the Rust Belt bubble, um, but that's pretty much you're immersed in the whole thing. So when you think of um, what has happened to tech in the last five years or so, what do you think of? And then I want to ask you what the link is to the church next. Yeah, I mean, it's been really interesting because as a pastor, I'm not in tech, but that's the people I'm ministering and shepherding and dealing with on a daily basis. And I would say five years ago, uh, there was this optimism, almost naive optimism that tech will never fail, that each startup that starts is going to change the world uh, for better, Um, that these huge companies, Google, Facebook, and now Meta, um, Amazon, whatever it may be, they they were the new kind of the new uh, institutions to bring up, bring upon utopia into this world. But I think much has changed. I think the economic downturn uh, recently has changed. The scandals. Uh, I could list so many CEOs, startups, 
FTX, for example, basically mm. destabilizing crypto in one day. All that being said, that it's almost like a 180 flip. Uh, and it's been really interesting dealing with that anxiety with mm. my people uh, and um, learning how to pastor in that environment. I bet. Okay, so the anxiety. Hey, Eugene, your, your volume is a little low. Can you, is there some way you can crank yourself up a bit? I can, I can try. There you oh, go. There That's good. Go. Okay, good. Excellent. Okay, so you're with uh, a lot of tech workers. And, of course, heck, I mean, uh, well-documented. There's been a lot of different job cuts here. I mean, you know, people slashing and burning tens of thousands of jobs. So uh, you got to deal with that. Uh, how does that work in your life? Um, you know, I think it's a good uh, case study on just how much vocation identity that line is very uh, flimsy, especially in this new world. Um, one thing that we've always preached on is work and how, you know, biblically your meaning comes before vocation and it, it shapes your vocation. Uh, I think especially here it's flipped where your vocation becomes your identity. Um, but I do think in uh, the silver lining of it is that we have found that at our church in this time um, that people are more open finally, that although they've been coming for years on end, uh, they're more open to actually hearing the gospel, not with their ears, but with their souls. And just seeing that it's not just an idea, but a relationship, you know, that's very preachy. Um, but you, I've realized with these workers, the first uh, kind of uh, notice that their their work is not perfect, that tech is not this utopia that's been um, promised to them, opens their doors and, and kind of loosens their guard to actually seeing Jesus for who he is. So what about the church? I mean, the evangelical church is a complicated uh, organism itself. And um, I wonder how seeing what you've seen about the decline of tech or the anxiety uh, or the doubt uh, in the tech world, how that makes you think about church. Yeah, uh, this is something that's been on my mind for the past couple of months. <clears throat> Just realizing how much the evangelical, especially uh, American evangelical church, um, you know, even organizations like Acts 29 or other church planning uh, networks, they've used the tech model for a very long time. So often uh, a church plant is likened to a startup sure. in, in the tech industry. There was even a podcast called Startup uh, that focused on a church one season just because of the similarities were so canny. And I've been seeing just the kind of parallels and perils of that similarity happening, um, you know, we can list off so many megachurch pastors and not even megachurch, just pastors in general to have fallen and just the uncanny similarities to these tech CEOs, uh, Elizabeth Holmes. I don't know if you know who she sure, is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sam Brinkman freed at, at FTX. They're all so similar. And that got me thinking, why is that? And I think the church needs to learn that this model that we've been using to, what I would say, um, scale over people, because that's a very techie thing that just you want to grow as fast as you can. Um, we're feeling the effects now in the church in general, just like the tech industry is as well. And, and I find it um, alarming. And I think there's lessons to be learned from the tech industry and how the church can kind of divert its way of this idea that, hey, we're just a startup. We're just here to grow. We're just here vision, scale, values. It's all things that we talk about. 
Um, but we're losing the big picture in the midst of all that. Interesting. So then, uh, are, Eugene, are you sort of running a parallel between at least the uh, the cult of personality between you know the tech startup gurus and of course you know the latest uh, mega pastor or sort of you know guru within the evangelical church that we hold in high regard? You know whether he's you know dressed in his Gucci or his you know high end sneakers. Th- th- there is this sort of personality that we all lean into in some way. Yeah, you know, I think that's just human nature to be drawn to gifted people. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm not, I, I think if you're gifted, that is a blessing yeah. um, from God. But at the same time, I do think what the, the perils and the stories of tech teach us is when you give a gifted person with authority, no limits. You know, in the tech world, for example, Elizabeth Holmes, uh, if you've either read uh, Bad Blood or watched, I believe, the HBO series called The Inventor, mm-hmm. uh, you saw that she literally could do whatever she wanted. And and when I was watching that, I was like, man, that sounds like so many evangelical, especially mega church pastors that have that same story. There are no checks and balances. Because they're gifted, we let things slide. Or we just say, hey, here's a blank check with the church. It doesn't even need to be financial. It could just be spiritual. It could be uh, authority. It could be power. And as long as you're delivering your results, we're happy with it. But at the end of the day, all this stuff will always come out, whatever it may be. So I find that, um, you know, like you mentioned, the cult personality is something the Western church really needs to uh, watch out for because I think it's a temptation we're so prone to falling into as church members. Yeah, And I think that the FTX story really sounds a lot like the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Oh, yeah. Right? It, it does. It's, it's so, I mean, I can't. Not, not in a, you know, I, maybe I need to temper my expectations and not in a you know, weird way, but I can't wait for the HBO documentary <laughs> on FTX. Yeah, me too. Because it's a wild story. And when you, but the, the thing that struck me as a pastor was like, it's wild, but I've, I've heard this before. And it's not just Mars Hill. Um, it's so many churches with such similar storylines that you give, especially a young, gifted, most likely male, but whatever me, a young, gifted leader, a blank check. And usually there's nothing good that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Eugene, as, as you joined us, you were telling the story about, you know, whether it's your congregation or any church, you know, in Silicon Valley. For years, I mean, these guys were sort of bulletproof in some way, right? Big money, prestige. Everybody looked at these people and like, oh, man, you guys, you're working for Google. Now, for the first time ever, that bubble has burst. So you're saying that, you know, people in your church or, you know, you know, a lot of different pastors you're working with, they're kind of shaken to the core. They've become a more authentic walk with Jesus because of that status is somehow brought them to their knees. Yeah. And, you know, before I even make it on our people, I'll be the first to even explain that tech has also influenced in good and bad ways that I've pastored, especially being in the heart of Silicon Valley. I'm literally in my office where... Down the street is Apple, uh, down the other way is LinkedIn. And, and you know, I, I visit all those time, those locations. And one thing I've realized is uh, one thing in tech recently, there's been a lot of layoffs um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Sure. And some are mysterious, some don't make sense. One of them that I heard was that was helpful for me as a pastor was a lot of these companies realized that in their ecosystem, um, there were these layers of excess management. So basically what that means was mm-hmm. to uh, succeed in your company, uh, if you're a coder, to, to get up that ladder, it meant to stop coding and to just find people to manage the people under you. And what they discovered was there was these layers and layers and layers of management where nothing was really being done. Um, so, for example, in Twitter, when Elon Musk took over, and I know that's a whole other story with whole other side consequences, but he realized 
within the engineering department, only 30% of those coders had access code in the last year. Wow, really? Yeah, so there's just these layers of management. And I thought about that to myself, and I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. But I realized we as pastors do this all the time. Um, We create layers of management so that we don't have to deal with people. That's just an innate thing. Uh, and I've realized, you know, that's that's a healthy way to, I'm not saying just to, hey, as a pastor, you should do everything on your own. I'm not saying that at all. But I do think the pendulum has shifted, uh, as, even as me as a minister, that I've created these layers of management within the church where I have small group leaders, I have leaders for the small group leaders, I have a coordinator for the leaders of the small group leaders then to report to me. And because of that, there's so much of this communication that maybe it's making you more efficient but are you reaching your people? Are you getting the work done of the church? So I think that's one thing that struck me in the middle of this, that yeah, our people, you know, they, they vocation is an idol, but even for pastors and ministry, uh, we fall under the same kind of pitfalls that often tech has shown me. Interesting. Eugene, I appreciate it. I had never considered yeah, the two, too. right? High tech and the church and uh, the parallels, uh, good and bad with both organizations. So thanks so much for being with us. Uh, really interesting insight. No, thank you, guys. Our pleasure. Eugene Park, associate pastor of True North Church in Palo Alto. He's the host of a podcast, Off the Pulpit. You check it out. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers, and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. If you have unfiled taxes or are in debt to the IRS, this is important news. The IRS just rolled out a new program to help struggling taxpayers more easily resolve their tax problems. It's called the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, and it opens up powerful new options for people looking to get back on the right track with the IRS. And no one knows this program like the professionals at Optima Tax Relief, America's most trusted tax resolution company. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients and have the expertise and experience to help you. One easy call to Optima can start the process, helping to put an end to your worries of wage garnishment, asset seizure, and other aggressive IRS actions. Make today the beginning of your fresh start with the IRS. Call the experts at Optima Tax Relief now for your free confidential consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at TextPlan.us. Texting enrolls for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply or play. Stop, opt out. Visit website for financing details. WindowAppointmentNow.com. Attention all homeowners. Do you know when to replace your windows? Feeling too hot or cold? It's time to replace. Fog between the glass. Time to replace. Spending too much on expensive energy that literally goes out the window? It's definitely time to replace. If you've put off replacing windows in your home because it's too expensive, here's great news. You You can now get a free in-home window consultation and free price quote from Renewal by Anderson, the company with the most five-star reviews among leading full-service window replacement companies. And right now, you can buy one and get one 40% off. Just text CLEAR to 200-300 for your free consultation on top-quality affordable windows or patio doors, all with super affordable financing options. Text CLEAR to 200-300 right now to buy one and get one 40% off. But hurry, these big dollar savings won't last long. Text the word CLEAR to 200 300. Don't wait. Text CLEAR to 200 300. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? 724 New Roof. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, Play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. 
Pittsburgh, one of America's top 10 most livable cities. We're also on another top 10 list you might be less familiar with, human trafficking, where women are enslaved and sold like property in the criminal sex trade. But the good news is that Refuge for Women is now here in our city, the largest nonprofit faith-based organization of its kind, providing up to two years of safe housing and round-the-clock care for women escaping sexual exploitation. Learn how you can help at refugeforwomen.org slash Pittsburgh. We'll see periods of rain for tonight. There can be ponding on streets and highways, the low 38. Periods of rain tomorrow. Rain and wet roads may lead to travel disruptions, the high 46. Cloudy tomorrow night with occasional rain, followed by a steadier rain. There can be flooding in low-lying and poor drainage areas, low 43. Cloudy most of the time Saturday. Couple of showers of the thunderstorm. Windy with a high of 68. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. 30 years ago this month, the Branch Davidian compound was uh, under federal siege, uh, a long and arduous process. And it, it's interesting, so much has happened uh, as far as commentary, punditry in those 30 years. Multiple books have been written about this, multiple documentary series about this. But because it is the 30th anniversary, uh, people turning their attention <clears throat> to this uh, once again. Four federal agents were killed in Waco, Texas, and 82 members of what was known as the Branch Davidian sect were also murdered. Uh, along with 20, 25 children. 25 children, along with their cult leader, David Koresh. Uh, if you were alive at that time, this was a major news story. Mm-hmm. And um, it started out like many things do, innocently enough, and like many things do, based around a so-called Christian community. But in the end, and what happened with inside that Christian community, so many incidences of sexual impropriety and violence and trafficking in many ways blew that community up, giving rise to the federal government's attention and the federal government's, I would say, a vigorous, if misplaced, yeah, so prosecution. What, do you remember what tipped them off? Like, how? It, what was the the thing that started it? I don't think that there was any one thing that tipped them off. Uh, David Koresh was known in the community. I mean, there were a lot of people, hundreds of people within that Van, Branch Davidian community at one time. And so within the outer layers of the town where the community was located, stories were told uh, there was some sort of leakage of people coming and going, leaving the community. And as some people tried to, and I'll put it in air quotes, escape the community, uh, those stories permeated within the deeper context of where people lived, and then word started to spread out to the federal government. When I think back on that, it was – I just wasn't immersed in news then. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't at a time in my life where that was – It was the beginning, I would say, of the cable news industry. Maybe. And what happened on that day – 30 years ago when there was a firestorm and of course so that was the last day you're talking the about the firestorm day. was the last day that was right. in april i mean um of that year someone fired shots and to this day the question remains who started this 
Were, was it the federal agents firing upon the Branch Davidians, or was it the Branch Davidians getting mm-hmm. enough of the federal agents in their stuff that they started the conflict? And the siege had been in place since February, I right. think. Yeah, from almost six weeks. <clears throat> There's a new documentary on Netflix. I think it premiered at the beginning of this month. It's a three-part series. So it's out now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, three-part series. I have yet to see it. I'm interested in it. I'm interested in in a lot of reasons because we do talk from time to time here on the show about Christian cults and what that portends in people's lives, how something that starts out, I think, oftentimes seemingly innocent is quickly overrun. Okay. Whenever you decide to watch it, Mm -hmm. let me know. I'll watch it with you. Yeah. All right. Lex, you want to join our Waco watching party? Sure, let's do okay. it. Okay. The three of us will do a watch party. I mean, to be honest, I was thinking about watching it tonight. Were you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, just... But then there's basketball. <laughs> that's how shallow Well, that's very different. Right. Hey, is it a basketball game? Okay, whenever you, you decide to do it, All right, good. let me know, and okay. we'll watch it together. Is it... It's a three-parter, I three-part think. Three-part series on Netflix, right? Okay. Yeah, and there's been, as I said, multiple books written about David Koresh and the Branch Davidians and multiple documentaries. This is just the latest, and especially because, you know, the exclamation point of 30 years. That's mm-hmm. all. Many questions still unanswered, probably never will be answered. Should we commit to watching one episode tonight? No. Okay, great. Okay, just wanted to say that. Okay, coming up next, David French will be with us, columnist for the New York Times. What if our kids are sad, anxious, depressed, and have suicidal ideation because their parents are like that too? Mm -hmm. Stands to reason, doesn't it? We'll talk about that next with David French from the New York Times. Stick around. WORD. The biggest annual outdoor celebration of Christian music happens right here in Pennsylvania. And Word FM is making it easier for you to go. Creation 2023. This year's lineup includes Katie Nicole, We the Kingdom, Big Daddy Wee, Matt Powell, Micah Tyler, Switchfoot. Very excited. Yes, I am. Why pay full price? As a Word FM listener, your ticket is 50% off. Did you get your tickets? Go to wordfm.com for access to your half-off tickets for Creation 2023. Doing it right. Roofing, siding, and remodeling. The first Owens Corning MVP in Pittsburgh and one of the longest-tenured platinum contractors in the Pittsburgh region. Doing it right, roofing, siding, and remodeling. Call 724-NEW-ROOF. That's 724-NEW-ROOF. Creation Festival 2023 is your summer destination. June 21st through 24th at Agape Farm, Shirleysburg, PA. Featuring Switchfoot, Matt Powell, We the Kingdom, Big Daddy Weave, Riley Clemens, Micah Tyler, and many more. Creation Festival, worshiping our creator. Come for the day or the entire event and go home changed. Get half off the current ticket price now while they last exclusively at wordfm.com. Every summer, Pine Valley Camp changes lives, not just for the more than 100 underserved kids who attend each week, but for the many high school and college-age volunteers and staff who work with them as lifeguards, cooks, camp counselors, and more. If you're 16 to 25, apply now and come help make an impact and change lives in a fun, safe, Christian family environment. Apply today at pinevalleycamp.org. Pine Valley Camp, rebuilding broken lives through Jesus Christ. In Beaver County, Camp Open. Since mid-June. How is your drive to school? 
Let me tell you, I had to get my iced coffee first. I just can't seem to put it down. My favorite rapper just announced a tour. My phone was buzzing like crazy. I'm so excited. I had to text all my friends right then to talk about it. Then someone started calling me and... Let's try that again. I turned my phone off right away. I never drive distracted. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Rayma Christian School is enrolling now. Rayma is a private school in Moon Township serving children in preschool through 8th grade. Recognized for its commitment to a biblically integrated curriculum that nurtures a Christian worldview and academic excellence, Rayma aims to develop the whole child, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially. Rayma is a true community of families who desire to raise up the next generation of godly leaders, also offering programs for homeschool families. For tuition and enrollment information, visit Rayma Christian School. Org. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? I think for a lot of us, when we were teenagers, our parents were concerned about the generation of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Our next guest, David French, has written a piece, What If Kids Are Sad and Stressed Because Their Parents Are? And David talks about, well, as parents today, we're not worried necessarily worried about sex, drug, and rock and roll in our teens. We're worried about anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. David French is a New York Times columnist, is an Iraqi war vet. He is also um, an attorney in private practice and a best-selling author as well. He's with us right now. David, welcome back. Yep, we can't hear you, David. Oh, we got you on mute. Oh, there we oh, go. There we go. Good. That wasn't me. That oh, wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> we had you on mute. I, Sorry about that. <laughs> I was just saying thanks for having me. I always enjoy being on with you guys. Our sure. Pleasure. All right, David. Uh, we'll talk about college basketball, of course, before this is over. Um, I know. I went, I went to Pitt. I don't think I need to talk more about it. Um, so it's easy to blame the depression, anxiety rates of kids, David, on things like a smartphone. We didn't have smartphones when yeah. we were kids. I'm sure it's a smartphone. Um, we can blame it on social media, too. Uh, we could say, you know, it's certainly when I was 16, I wasn't concerned about being body shamed on Instagram. However, um, I, that could be, you think, the easy way out? Well, I think it's incomplete. And, and I do think it is the easy way out in a way because – there has been a lot of justified concern about teenagers, as I wrote at the very top of my piece. Uh, the old concerns, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll have been replaced by concern for anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. And the statistics are, are staggering. And a lot of the statistics do show a sharp increase, particularly with teenage girls, of anxiety and depression and feelings of hopelessness in the smartphone social media era, no, no question about it. But there's also something else. Uh, I, I am friend. I, I'm a parent of a teen. Um, my two older kids are older than teenage years, but my youngest is a teen. My peers are parents of teens or people have recently been teens. And there's one thing that I really began to notice. And that is that anxiety was radiating in multiple directions uh, that my Friends were anxious about their kids' anxiety, but I was also beginning to notice that a lot of kids that are interacting were anxious because their parents were anxious. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when you think about it, it makes a ton of sense. When you're a kid, you take your cues from your parents when you're interpreting things like world events, for example, or you're interpreting financial anxiety or where you're interpreting all kinds of things. You're going to take a lot of your cues from parents and some of the statistics 
are showing that many adults are just as anxious and depressed as teens. And also that by some measures, adults are worse off, especially the parent and grandparent generations are substantially worse off in some really terrible measures such as deaths of despair and suicide than teens. And so it struck me that what we have is not just a situation where outside forces are making our teens anxious and sad, but there's also a dynamic where from the within the walls of the home, parental anxiety and depression is leaking into children. Right. So it's not just our kids are sick, it's we are sick, and we are infecting our kids with our sadness and our sickness. David, in your piece, you write that a recent NBC poll indicated that a record 58% of registered voters surveyed believe that America's best days were behind it, coupled with that despair and, of course, our smartphones and Twitter and any other social media things. When you look in the mirror, I think a lot of us have every reason to feel pretty bad about things. Yeah, sadly. I mean, let's let's ask this question. If you look at Twitter and Facebook, are adults more capable obviously of hand are they obviously more capable of handling social media it's than kids? It's a hot kids? mess. No. It's an absolute mess. Then you also have this trend that was very particular to my generation of parenting of helicopter parenting. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a lot of research that says that the very act of helicopter parenting, especially if it's tied to an extreme pressure towards high achievement, can be a stressor on children in the same way that, for example, poverty can be a stressor on children. Really? And so, you, and then you have the, also the addition of the anger and hopelessness that is attending a lot of our political culture. So if most adults are believing our nation's best days are behind it, and then also, as I wrote in the piece, the overwhelming majority of adults are actually full of hostility for their political opponents, you're looking at a pressure from parents, hostility that's reflected in parents, hopelessness that's reflected in parents, and often when it comes to social media, erratic or angry behavior reflected in parents. And all of those things, you can't wall off your kids from that. It's not like you live on two separate islands. Uh, I, I was writing about this months and months and months ago, and I was reflecting on the fact that I grew up at the height of the Cold War during some of the most anxious moments of the Cold War. And I took a lot of cues from my parents. How were they reacting in this moment? And my parents were incredibly good about being serious about what was serious, but also maintaining a sense of faith and joy in the home in spite of external adversity. And that made a big, big impression on me. Faith and joy despite the adversity. And now, of course, I mean, our phones are so close to us. We're all, we are, I think all of us as a society, we are addicted to our phones. They inform us in every breath. They're never far from our hands. This steady diet of, you know, despair turns into mental illness, which infects the, you know, receiver, which in turn affects the, infects the family. Uh, David, uh, short of just, you know, sort of cutting off your right hand and getting rid of your phone, is there a prescription for this? <laughs> well, you know, I think there is absolutely a prescription for this, and it's found biblically, honestly. If you look at the New Testament, who is the New Testament written to? The New Testament is written to a community of believers. The Pauline epistles, for example, written to a community of believers that were facing adversity and persecution that it's difficult for us to even imagine. Yeah. 
Not to mention they're written to a community when what life expectancy was 35, 40 years less than it is now. So disease was more prevalent and more deadly. You know, you had the persecution of the Roman Empire, so much mm-hmm. less certain, so much less prosperity. And what does Paul say? God did not give us a spirit of fear, mm-hmm. but of power, not a spirit of our own power, but an as understanding of the power of God, but of power. And of and, love and, and of a sound mind. mind. Exactly. Yeah, that sound and, mind part, David, you know, I, I don't think we have maybe as American parents really thought about that, what that looks like. Invested in it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, and I, 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 I totally agree with that. Instead, we're often carried away by the latest sort of spiritual or intellectual or political fad. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not model what a sound mind looks like. We do not model what being sober minded looks mm-hmm. like. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have honed in on that that phrase and that verse more mm-hmm. every year as I think about it, because so much of what's happening that destabilizes children is they see in their parents conduct that does not communicate sober mindedness. Right. Um, I, I speak at college campuses all over America. And what's remarkable is the number of kids who will come up to me and say, something happened to my parents, something happened to my dad, something happened to my grandparents. And they relate this incredible distress at watching their parents go off the deep end Mm -hmm. politically or religiously. And it's, it is causing great anguish in younger Christians. Mm -hmm. They're seeing it and it's being inflicted upon them. And a lot of it is, the spirit of fear is trumping the sound mind. Yeah. The spirit mm-hmm. of fear is even in many ways trumping the way we're supposed to love each other. Mm-hmm. And the antidote to that spirit of fear is confidence in the power of a living God as opposed to confidence in the power of any given political or cultural figure. Amen. Okay, so with that, David, now I'm tracking along exactly where you are. I know exactly what you're talking about here. So uh, there was a little burst of optimism maybe uh, two months or so ago when uh, word came out about the uh, the Asbury revival. So people were talking, oh, there's revival. We've been calling for revival. What's your take on that? I mean, it, it is some good news. Um, how do you sort of you know, filter that through the landscape that you're in right now? Yeah, it is a piece of good news. And one of the things that I was tweeting about it was everybody leave them alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know, just leave it alone. We don't need to analyze it right now. We definitely don't need to send sort of like the the evangelical commercial industrial complex down there <laughs> to monetize it. Yes, thank you. Um, we just just let the kids worship. Right. And and a revival that has been built around worship and repentance is, I think, a revival that has a real chance to be utterly transformative. Mm -hmm. And and time will tell. You hear stories at other Christian universities of sort of scattered outbreaks of Asbury style reflective worship. Um, There is a hunger out there. There is a hunger but, you know, one thing, this is the first revival I've seen in the social media era. Um, right, right. And as soon as it began to pop up all over Twitter, I was thinking, oh, no. God, protect those kids. Yep. God, protect those kids from the people who are going to descend upon that town and they're going to try to monetize it. Right. They're yes. going to try to make it viral. Just God, protect those kids. And I think the school did a really good job of trying to keep that place sacred. 
and trying to keep that place separate from the storm all around it. Um, I've run, I've talked to a number of Asbury administrators uh, since the, since the revival started and they've really been thoughtful and prayerful in the way that they approached it. Uh, so I'm encouraged by it. Uh, I'm encouraged and time will tell. Um, look, even if that's a one-off occurrence that, that quote, that just impacts those folks who attended, that's still marvelous. That's still good. And there's a chance it might be more than that. But based on everything that we know, what happened was good all mm-hmm. on its own, and we should celebrate it. Yeah. And if it can happen there with all the midst of the conversation we were talking about earlier, all the fear, all the anxiety, all the sickness that infects us in the culture, I mean, would it come upon us as well? And what can we be mm-hmm. as believers to, as to open move as possible? Forward? Yeah. I, our, our faith should be an antidote to fear. Yeah. Um, too many times, however, we use our sense of anxiety about our own place in the culture as Christians as instigators of fear. Mm. Um, but the bottom line is it's a fundamental reality that our faith should be an antidote to fear and faith-filled people should be an antidote to fear. And I think that's a, a powerful call on our lives sure now is. in this time of division, in this time of anxiety, in this time of uncertainty we as Christians have an opportunity to sort of blaze forth with a different kind of approach to the upheaval and animosity of the time. Amen. That's New York Times columnist David French. David, 30 seconds, uh, actually 20 seconds. How do you feel about your bracket? <laughs> My, I picked Kentucky. I grew up outside of oh. Rupp Arena, uh, several miles outside of Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, I, I picked Kentucky to win Every year. Looking for some extra income? Thanks, Dave. Get competitive pay and flexible hours as a school bus driver with A1 Transit, providing safe, reliable, affordable transportation throughout the tri-state since 1989. Perfect for retirees, this fun, family-run company offers free CDL classes and a sign-on bonus. Must be 24 years or older to apply and must complete a background check. A1 Transit in Lawrenceville. To apply in person, call 412-781-6170. That's 412-781-6170. 170. Tens of thousands affected by the toxic water at Camp Lejeune are left with death, cancer, Parkinson's, dementia, birth defects, and other serious illnesses. And along with the harm, so many worries. My family drank the Camp Lejeune water. What if our health gets worse and we need more financial help? How do I protect my VA benefits and get the compensation I deserve and need? The answer is simple. Call James Harris Law, the experienced, trusted law firm that can get you significant compensation while protecting all your VA benefits. We're already fighting for hundreds of Marines, families, and civilians who drank Camp Lejeune water. But if you miss the deadline, you could forever lose your right to the justice you deserve. So call our Camp Lejeune legal helpline now. Now may be your last chance to receive full compensation. Don't delay. Call 800-299-7878. That's 800-299-7878. 800-299-7878. I think we can all agree that every moment at Eden shaped us and impacted who we are right now. The faith modeled by teachers at Eden Christian Academy has a profound impact on students' lives. We carry with us more than the academics, but a strong, Christ-centered foundation. I would just like to thank my teachers, my mentors, my family members, and my friends who have done the best they could to help me in this next phase of my life. 
Eden Christian Academy, enrolling pre-K through 12th grade at EdenChristianAcademy.org. When it comes a time and there is no food, how does she help the children get through that when they when their stomachs are, are empty? I tell them that today we cannot eat, but uh, another day we will have food. Uh, we need to work in order to, to have food to put in our plates. Today, on this day of hope, you can be an answer to prayer for a mother like Marta. I'm Anitra with Food for the Poor, and we're inviting you to be a part of a miracle story that God is telling through donors just like you. Right now, because of a generous match, your gift, a one-time gift of $144, is going to provide a family like Marta's with food for a year. When you go to wordfm.com and click on the bright red Give Food banner or text Send Hope, one word, to 91999, you'll receive a link and you can make your most generous gift. So it's a national puppy day. Yeah. I've seen, uh, so I've been thinking about a dog, you know. And so on Facebook, I've I've liked several um, animal uh, rescue groups. Okay. Puppies are everywhere. Oh. Oh, man, they're the... Because a lot of people got puppies over COVID, right? Didn't realize how much work it was going to be, and now... Well, I don't know. It's like, there's just an explosion of puppies. If you wanted a puppy, this is, it's easy to find a puppy now. But a puppy, that's just a lot of work, isn't it? And as sweet as they are, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I have that in me anymore mm-hmm. for a puppy. Because of their destructiveness? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, well, first of all, you got to be there a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not there a lot. So who am I going to hand that to? My wife? Right. She's got her life to lead. Uh, and so, you know, the training of a dog is a lot. It requires a lot of persistence, a lot of presence. A lot of consistency. It's like mm-hmm. having a toddler. Yeah. Right? I mean, I remember having kittens. It was, I mean, they just completely took my house apart. They just took my house apart. Yeah. It's too much. But I love a puppy The first smell. year I had two kittens, they took my tree down four times. Oh, my gosh. At Christmas. Four times. Uh-huh. And in four totally different disastrous escapades <laughs> but the ending was the same <laughs> in all of them but now it's fine how they're how old now five six six that's fine yeah so i'd like to have a six-year-old dog right sure <laughs> well i don't know just thinking I've, about i've it. never had a puppy i love puppies i love other people's dogs i salute them i love i mean i, I i'm surprised you never had a dog no your parents my parents like, never wanted any animals of really? any kind nope we had tropical fish that was my was it like a cleanliness thing probably too much yeah yeah too much hair too Mm -hmm. much stuff right i get it now uh the tropical fish thing started when i was in second grade and that was the hobby that was given to me Mm. by my father Mm. you know i didn't have any that's a tough one didn't have any interest in it none Uh, well i i mean i developed interest in it because i had i figured if it was going to be my hobby i better have some interest in it but boy, that's a lot of work. I, I mean, you can you can have a crappy tank with no work at all, yeah. but to have a nice one, True. it's a lot of effort, I'm attention, sure. and stuff, and money. It's yeah, it's a right? lot, and so I plus you know, it, it, there could be a disaster, and the whole all the work's wiped out in a matter of minutes. Sure, 
when all the fish go belly up. We spent fifty dollars. Uh, this was probably thirty-five years ago. We spent fifty more than that for a fish. Fifty dollars on two fish, Ooh. and we came down the next morning, and they had killed themselves. Killed themselves. What because do you mean? Because we left a light on in the room. The person we bought them from at the aquarium didn't mention that like they get or, or we turned the light off whatever we whatever we did we did the wrong thing and the fish died of anxiety <sighs> see that's just what you're t- i just i can't get into that john who doesn't love a pet but they require a lot of work and time and money all right well anyway happy national puppy day hope you get a puppy if you want one Listen on your smart speaker at wordfm.com, the Word FM app, iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. For 908,000. With SRN News, I'm John Scott, the CEO of TikTok. Shows Chu appearing before a U.S. Congressional Committee to make the case for why the hugely popular video sharing app shouldn't be banned. More than half a million vehicles are being recalled because of a Fire risk. Hyundai and Kia are recalling thousands of late model SUVs and minivans because the tow hitch harnesses can catch fire while vehicles are being driven or even while they're parked. Hyundai and Kia are warning owners to park the vehicles outside. The Hyundai recall includes the Santa Fe from 2019 through 2023, the Santa Fe Hybrid from 2021 to 2023, and the Santa Cruz model years 2022 and 2023. The only Kia affected is the Carnival minivan from 2022 and 2023. Neither automaker has reports of injuries. I'm Rita Foley. This is SRN News. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply or play. Stop, opt out. Visit website for financing details. Windowappointmentnow.com. Attention all homeowners. Do you know when to replace your windows? Feeling too hot or cold? It's time to replace. Fog between the glass. Time to replace. Spending too much on expensive energy that literally goes out the window? It's definitely time to replace. If you've put off replacing windows in your home because it's too expensive, here's great news. You can now get a free in-home window consultation and free price quote from Renewal by Anderson, the company with the most five-star reviews among leading full-service window replacement companies. And right now, you can buy one and get one 40% off. Just text CLEAR to 200-300 for your free consultation on top quality affordable windows or patio doors, all with super affordable financing options. Text CLEAR to 200-300 right now to buy one and get one 40% off. But hurry, these big dollar savings won't last long. Text the word CLEAR to 200-300. Don't wait. Text CLEAR to 200 Let's be real. Retirement is expensive and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down? Well, MediShare 65 plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that will pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65+. plus. Here's the number. 833-SHARE-55. That's 833-SHARE-55. 833-SHARE-55. Breaking news. 
Tax refund shock is everywhere, but what is it? My tax refund shrank. Mine too. The culprit? Pandemic-related stimulus payments and tax credits expiring. In this reporter's opinion, you need a tax expert. Hey guys, Jackson Hewitt guarantees your biggest refund. And tax prep is 50% off? Going there now. 50% off is a limited time offer for new clients filing at participating locations. Max value $200. Visit jacksonhewitt.com slash 50 for terms. Studies show decades of increased taxpayer spending per student has failed to improve educational performance. Can't we do better? Pittsburgh's Christian schools say we can. If you're looking for a safe environment for kids to learn, challenge, and grow, where character matters and academic excellence is served by highly qualified teachers who partner with parents, consider Christian education. Right now, local Christian schools are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees while they last at wordfm.com slash tuitions. We'll see periods of rain for tonight. There can be ponding on streets and highways, the low 38. Periods of rain tomorrow. Rain and wet roads may lead to travel disruptions, the high 46. Cloudy tomorrow night with occasional rain, followed by a steadier rain. There can be flooding in low-lying and poor drainage areas, low 43. Cloudy most of the time Saturday, couple of showers of the thunderstorm. Windy with a high of 68. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Dozens of the world's largest natural history museums revealed today that a survey of everything in their collection is now accessible. The global inventory is made up of 1.1 billion objects, the range from dinosaur skulls to pollen grains to mosquitoes. Scientists have created smaller inventory databases before, but the new effort includes about 73 museums in 28 countries was unparalleled. This is from uh, today's New York Times. This is so cool. Um, I did not know this. I did not. Natural history museums mm-hmm. got their starts in the 1400s. Really? As cabinets of wonders in which aristocrats kept precious oddities like Norwal skulls or glittering crystals. But by the 19th century, they had become national institutions that employed cadres of full-time curators. Museum gained a new object in those early days. Curators would typically scrawl down basic information about it uh, on a paper slip. The slip might then get tucked into a box of pinned butterflies or dropped into a jar holding a preserved shark. Curators would then store the box or the jar in a cabinet and make note of it in a ledger. Today, natural museums have amassed vast collections. The Smithsonian Museum of Natural History alone holds 143,033,146 objects. In recent years, some museums have been putting the uh, objects online. And uh, this latest example of uh, 1.1 billion objects is going to foretold. I mean, more museums, only 28 around the world. But imagine when all the museums come online. It's incredible. Okay, mm-hmm. listen to this. I read a book years ago about the Natural History Museum in New York, yeah. which you've been to. Yeah, right? loved of it. Oh, it's a great place. Um, so would you believe 
that when you go to the Museum of Natural History in New York City, yep. which is gigantic. So lovely. It's gigantic. It's too much to do in a day. Oh, it takes you weeks. Okay. What you see when you're in there, if you saw everything that was in there, is 2% of what they have. Wow. So 98% of what the Museum of Natural History in New York has mm-hmm. is back behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. 98%. Right. Do you ever have a museum fatigue? I always have museum mm-hmm. fatigue. Yeah, yeah. I remember I did that sojourn to Europe when I was a kid, you know, and took off. And my first place I landed was in Britain, where I went to the British Museum. Mm. And then I went to France, and I started to visit the Pompidou Center. Mm. And the, I mean, I was so wrung out on museums. It just... It just becomes overwhelming. It's too, the, it's too much to the take The variety in. and the beauty and the depths of creation. You sort of, for me, I kind of was like ashamed of myself. Like I'm turning yeah, my nose right. up at this, but you can't You can, just can't take, assimilate it's like, all right, this. It's like you're you're at the super saturation point. Yeah. The yeah. beauty of it all. You know what? I, my favorite thing to do, if possible, and this, of course, this is not always possible, is when I'm going to a city, I like to take in a museum like in maybe four hour chunks, five hour chunks, and then leave mm-hmm. and then come back the next day and do another one and mm-hmm. leave because I can't like the like st- spending a nine hour. I can't do that. I seriously can't do that. Uh, I'm giving myself basically two hours. Are you then really? I take a nap. OK. Right. It's just too much. Look, the International's been going on here at the Carnegie. Mm-hmm. I've not showed up for that yet. No. Right. And I said, oh, before the nice weather comes, I'm going to get there because I don't want to be, you know, at the museum in nice weather. Mm-hmm. I'm not showed up. Mm-mm. And all that beauty inside there. What's the Elvis Costello song? All this useless beauty. beauty. I yeah. think, And, of course, it's not useless, but it's useless in that you can't process it. There's to, too much right. to process. We went maybe four months ago to the art museum. It was mm-hmm. before the International was there. Um, and we kind of bled over into the natural history portion also. You can't help but not to. Yeah. So we had, we were there maybe five hours. Mm-hmm. By the end, it was like my feet hurt so much. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, I walked a lot further. There's something about a museum. Of course, the floors you're walking on are incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. But there's something about a museum. Nothing makes my feet hurt <laughs> like, like being at a museum. Yeah. It's like about, the, the most foot pain possible. No, this is really low rent. But one of the things I love about the Carnegie Museum is the crazy cafeteria in the basement. Oh, that is such a throwback. I love it. That's a weird thing from like, I know. it seems like the it's 30s. 19, yeah, 50 or something I love down it. There. It's so weird, you know. Like there, there's like a back entrance way like towards yeah, the Yeah, I know right where that down, is. I know right. You go down the steps. <laughs> I know exactly and I, I go, oh, look, there's a bag of chips. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you know what else I love in the museum is if you go in the long hallways. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, sure. That connect to back where that staircase is yeah. that you're talking where about. Where there's like the caterpillars exactly. and the Exactly. The dioramas and, are yeah, in there yeah. and there's weird birds and like I love it. tragic poses or whatever. Anyway, there are these little wooden doors mm. that are in those hallways. Tiny wooden They're doors. They're tiny doors. Yeah. And I don't. I want what's in there. Mm-hmm. Why are they tiny? Mm-hmm. And what? And they're they're like they're beautiful doors with beautiful knobs, yeah. and they have very nice trim Clean. around them. What's behind the tiny doors? Yeah. Now look, we used to be members there, but we are not now. And they used to offer after-hour tours, <gasps> which I would assume with the little doors in there. Probably we never went, but I would assume they would show you behind the wood. Lexi, doors. do you know those doors? 
they are vaguely familiar. I okay. haven't been there for a long time. It's like a little hobbit thing. Mm-hmm. You'd be like four foot three. It's super great back yeah, in there. And I love how it smells. I love the smell of the museum. Mm-hmm. I love everything about it. It's so good. All right. Okay. Anyway, All this it, beauty. I hope that this uh, encourages you out there to go to the we're not, museums why we have. They, we're not going. Why would anybody I, else? I was just there. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you about the little doors. Okay. Well, if you go, make sure you, you know hit that back stairway and get the bag of chips. They did such a nice job connecting the library with the Museum of Natural History. Mm-hmm. It's so cool to be able to be in the library and look over and see the dinosaur exhibit. Yep. I, mean, I just that cool? love yeah. it. It is cool. I really love it. Anyway, okay, we're going to take a break now, but when we come back, Mm-mm. we're going to talk about the Bible's marriage metaphor. Uh-oh. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there's a lot going on, a lot of conversation on Twitter about this. So if you've been part of it, you know what we're going to talk about. If not, we'll fill you in when you get back to Ride Home. W-O-R-D. Word FM welcomes back the Projecting Hope Film Festival. Presented by the Speakman Financial Group. For three days, it's fun, faith-focused, family-friendly films for free. Absolutely free. You pay for the Juji Fruits and Junior Mints, but the popcorn and admission is free. Zero dollars. It's better when it's free. Movies, including A Marriage Made in Heaven, Family Camp, and the brand new Jesus Revolution. It's at Pittsburgh Mills Cinemas this weekend. For movie times and to make advanced reservations go to wordfm.com wesley financial group is not a law firm this story is called the ugly truth about timeshare if you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare you need my help hello i'm chuck mcdowell ceo and founder of wesley financial group 10 years ago i started helping folks cancel their timeshare and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-746-3737. 800-746-3737. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I'm Corey, and this is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates, and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity, and so I decided to call. Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt. I'm saving thousands, and things are really looking up. I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you call Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life, and it was the best thing I could have done for myself because once I called Trinity, they took care of me, and I felt such a relief, a weight off my shoulders. Trinity was great to work with. They wanted to help me. I love it. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. I'm Corey, and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-936-5496. Creation Festival 2023 is your summer destination. June 21st through 24th at Agape Farm, Shirleysburg, PA. Featuring Switchfoot, Matt Powell, We the Kingdom, Big Daddy Weave, Riley Clemens, Micah Tyler, and many more. Creation Festival, worshiping our creator. Come for the day or the entire event and go home changed. 
Get half off the current ticket price now while they last exclusively at wordfm.com. In our digital social media age, we've gotten to this uh, point where Christians uh, have discussions about major theological topics, major uh, interpretive uh, conversations on Twitter. Almost in real time. Uh, Yeah, almost in real time. And as people are having these conversations, you can watch them unfold if you're on Twitter like we are. Um, And some people are... Uh, accredited. Some people are studied. Some people have opinions that are based in a lot of research and time. Mm-hmm. Other people are just spouting off. And because it's happening in real time, you can't really tell who's who. Um, and it it's just a it's a weird environment that we're in in that way. So in, you know, the discipline of science, where a paper is written and it's submitted for peer review and then the peers take time to come back and then write their response to it. But that's a, a reasoned procedure. What we have going now is like the Wild West. Yeah. And Pastor Joshua Ryan Butler fell into that um, about a week ago. He wrote a piece that was published by the Gospel Coalition and was available online in which um, – Reverend Butler, and I believe he's a reverend, basically took uh, some of the marriage texts that are in the New Testament, um, like uh, showing the relationship between husband and wife as Christ in the church, and put it in a sexual context that is that upon reading it, all I could say, and I said it out loud to myself in the room, oh my gosh, that's so cringy. Now, it went way beyond cringy, and the Gospel Coalition ended up having to rescind the article. It's not available online anymore. Um, But to talk about it and some of the thoughts behind it, Amy Peeler has agreed to come back on the program. Dr. Amy Peeler is Associate Professor of New Testament at Wheaton College. She's also Associate Rector at St. Mark's Episcopal in Geneva, Illinois. She's an author of a book we'll talk about later. But, Amy, we're glad you could join us. Oh, glad to do so. Thanks so much for having me back on. Thank you, Amy. Okay, so the the marriage metaphor, and you wrote a piece for Christianity Today, the Bible's marriage metaphor doesn't belong in the bedroom. Can you go back, as Kath explained, about uh, Reverend Butler and and the uh, the piece that appeared in the Gospel Coalition website and, and the ensuing uh, publication from that and the furor around that? Now, did you think it was cringy? What was the marriage metaphor in the first place, right, that he you know sort of walked into? Yes. You know, when I was alerted to that, a few friends sent it to me and they said, you know, we think your work might be able to speak to this. And so I really appreciate the conversation you all are having. You know, if we just jump into the storm without kind of knowledge, then we're probably going to say things we regret. But because of the work that I've done in the New Testament and to focus on gender, I felt like, you know, I, I can kind of see where the errors are. And I can speak into this. And so I was very grateful that, you know, years of labor prepared me for Mm -hmm. that moment. And it was good. I just returned back to Ephesians 5. I mean, given all the kind of work I've been doing, but I just read it again with fresh eyes, having this conversation in mind. And there's so many people who uh, speak well on metaphor theory and how to not take it too far. 
and just really paid attention to the the love that husbands are called to give, being self-sacrificial. But it is not an application of the metaphor all the way down. It's not every area of life. It's these general themes of self-sacrifice and valuing the wife. And then, of course, it's not a metaphor all the way up. And I think that's the problem that I think is most important to address, projecting truly a male sexuality into the person of God and God's relationship with the church. It's not only cringy, but it really is a disrespect that God is God and God is not a creature. And I don't think that's what Butler intended, but it certainly worked in that direction given the provocative nature of his language. Yes. So Ephesians 5, uh, 5 what, Amy? Oh, yes. Uh, sorry. I'm, uh, well, you know, I even went back to the beginning of the chapter, mm-hmm. and it says, imitate God, and we imitate God by walking in love as Christ loved us and gave himself sacrificially for the church. So we're all called to love one another. And I ended up noticing in the whole chapter, it's not just a marriage metaphor. It also speaks of family, family yeah. that we are children of God. And I think that's that's a metaphor that maybe um, it lends itself to questions, but not the same issues and complications that Butler went into. But the marriage metaphor really begins in verse 21 and goes all the way to 31. So it talks initially saying submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. And then it focuses on how that deference can be played out by both the wife and the husband. And really the metaphor is, Paul says, hey, I know I'm talking about marriage, but I'm trying to get you to understand the mystery of Christ in the church, the great love that God had uh, to become human for us and to sacrifice his life for our behalf. That's really the focus. And then there are some good lessons about being self-sacrificial in marriage, Uh, but it's not a one-to-one comparison, (laughs) and we have to be quite careful of that. Right. Okay. So um, without going into details about Butler's argument, um, he basically, uh, and tell me if I'm wrong in stating it this way, Amy, uh, is that he he said that the sex act that happens between husband and wife is the um, best expression of the love between God, between Christ and the church. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, a good recounting. Or, you know, um, now that it's been taken down, I, I don't have access to it. But I don't know that he said best, but he, but he def- definitely kind of points toward marriage as the best expression. This is definitely in some theological literature, and I have to be honest, it's something I've puzzled over. Because there is a beautiful marriage metaphor that appears in several places. But as I was mentioning, the dominant name for God in the New Testament is Father, Father of Jesus Christ, and then by virtue of our being incorporated into Christ, we are adopted into this family. So I don't deny that the marriage metaphor is there, but I certainly wouldn't say it's the most dominant or even the best. Uh, Scripture gives us many poetical expressions that we can understand our relationship with God. But you're right. He does focus on this. The male is the giver. The woman is the receiver. And that's how we look at God. And there's a lot of problems with that, both on biology and even the interpretation of procreation. Actually, both the husband and the wife or the male and the female contribute equally to the conception of the child. Uh, It's almost like he was kind of working with an Aristotelian 
biology where the woman just kind of has the fertile soil and the man contributes the seed that is really life. That's not even what we understand of human biology. Mm-hmm. And moreover, why we would project that up to God um, gets really dangerous. And and I was appreciative to participate in conversations where those who work with religious trauma victims say, this is exactly the kind of metaphor that abusers use. No, again, Butler is not doing that intentionally, but he's articulating themes that abusers do use. Uh, that as representative of God, I will take, you know, I will use your body as God would want to use your body. It's it's horrific stuff. And it's the same kind of themes that you see in really dark places. Hmm. Okay, so that's, uh, that's a lot, Amy. Um, okay, we can take this conversation in so many different directions. I guess mm-hmm. I want to stick with the scripture here for a minute and yeah, and sure. just say that, that after I got over the cringy aspect of uh, reading the article, uh, the first thing that came to my head um, was not a scriptural argument. It was, but, uh, but I think I can make one for it is just that it was, um, it was selective to use merely marriage as such a significant metaphor. Mm-hmm. When I know I have many friends who aren't married who are believers in Jesus and are every bit as much a part of the church. And so uh, that was, so why don't you talk about that? Oh, yes. Thank you. And that's another major concern here that, that I also wanted to call attention to in my piece. I'm very sensitive, especially in conservative evangelical spaces, marriage is really idolized. And if you are single, either by choice or not by choice, you kind of aren't in the inner circle. And so to lift up an experience that only some members of the body of Christ can identify with, Uh, I think really is a detriment to those who already feel excluded in Protestant evangelical circles. And that's why, to me, the family metaphor is is really powerful. We we are all adopted in. We were all enemies of God, but now we're brought in as children of God. And I know that even calling God Father has these gendered complications. That's really what I've spent my life work kind of working through and have come to a place where I see those pictures as incredibly inclusive of all people. Uh, So when we talk about marriage, and I know in the longer chapter, Butler acknowledges how this might sound to single people, uh, but at the end of the day, I think we have to be very sensitive that in our context, in those conservative contexts, that's where we find ourselves, already there's a privileging of marriage. And so we might have to be especially sensitive and work against that to make sure that as Paul would say it's the single among us who really are have something to teach us about how to live for the kingdom and if we forgot how to recognize different giftedness uh, then we're against the grain of the new testament itself we're speaking with dr amy peeler she's associate professor of new testament at wheaton college associate rector at saint mark's episcopal church in geneva illinois she's the author of women and the gender of god and uh amy so here's what I wonder about. So we're we're, we're deeply if, if if you were not a believer or if you're a nominal Christian and you're listening to the conversation, you might go, "What yeah. are these people even talking right. about?" Right. So I guess yeah. the problem is that we, and it's not necessarily a problem, but those people who are well-meaning, good, loving people of God, who want to know God, we often get caught so deeply in the weeds and forget that you know probably 98% of the population has no care or need to even go there. 
Right. No, that is such a good word. And, you know, I'm my vocation is in within Christian circle. But by virtue of my research, I've had more opportunity to chat with people for whom this is all foreign and new. And uh, we do have to be quite careful in those spaces. There's often questions or concerns right at the center of our narrative is a pregnancy. And so we need to be cognizant of the fact that saying that God became human and was born already raises questions, and we need to listen well. And and those who would ask questions about our central narrative uh, are not seeking to attack us, but want to understand really what is a shocking scandal that the transcendent God chose to become human Mm -hmm. through the very messy process of birth. I think ultimately that is really good news because male or female or figuring things out, everyone is born. And and that really captures the humanity of Jesus. I think for our friends and neighbors who say, what in the world are you talking about? We can say, oh, you don't have to pay attention to all of this. But you know what's interesting? God became human because God wanted to be in relationship with you, to empathize with you in all ways yet without sin, as Hebrews would say. So I think there are points of connection uh, and questions and critiques that those who aren't sitting in church every week, sometimes they have a clarity to ask things that, that we need to pay attention to. That's so good. Dr. Amy Peeler is with us, Associate Professor of New Testament at Wheaton College. Um, Amy, I want to ask you about the, this is kind of an ancillary topic, and I'm not asking you as a professor as much as I'm asking you as a fellow believer, but mm-hmm. how Joshua Butler was uh, treated in the digital yeah. social media space is really upsetting, disturbing culture. to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we say we're yeah. against cancel culture and talk about someone who got canceled. I mean, I just, right. I, I kind of despair that that mm-hmm. well-meaning, uh, otherwise mature people are it it becomes like a riot online mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now this poor guy like i don't know if if anyone he can recover yeah exactly so yeah, yeah, yeah. break that down for us or give give me your opinion oh on my that. goodness yeah no i have to admit that that weekend you know as i was writing my piece on a saturday and i hope this doesn't sound like i'm like grandstanding but truly my prayers were for him I thought, what was it like for him to go into his church on Sunday, knowing that the whole world, you know, and just really grieved for him. I don't know him personally, but I ended up meeting someone the next week that does. And she said, he's an awesome person. I have to admit, I, I, you know, I think the fault here is, well, that's a strong word, but it does make me wonder all of his editorial team, both at the publisher and at TGC. Yeah. It does strike me, and this is what I ended up kind of reflecting on in my piece. This seems like an incredible breakdown of unity, mm-hmm. both in how he was treated and how this happened in the first place. Uh, TGC is defined by many things, including um, a particular view of the roles of men and women. And it just struck me that if they had people in the room that had different opinions on those questions, I don't think this would have gone forward. I don't Mm -hmm. think they would have put this so publicly when everyone freaked out. It had to go through multiple people to be approved to be in this. Right. Or maybe people did have an experience and they were afraid to speak up. Oh, that's an interesting point. Yes. And so then Butler is kind of hung out to dry for really an entire system that's broken. And I agree on Twitter. It is 
wow, you know, I, I try to make sure I've really thought before I post. And that's hard. And I'm sure I've failed at times. But I always think, you know, there are mean things said about me. And so I always think, well, you know, how would Butler feel if I wrote such and such about his work? I do think there's space for critique. Yes. Uh, there was so much going on here that I couldn't not say anything. I felt compelled to do so. But I hope that we could do so in such a way that doesn't destroy a fellow human being, right. a fellow brother in Christ. But I hope this is a moment that the entire structure of publishing and TGC is asking questions about, are we kind of siloed off having conversations that we don't get any accountability or feedback on? Now, they may be processing those questions. They may say, no, we have tons of accountability and we've fixed this. But people that I kind of hang out with are certainly not in the room. So I don't know what's going on there. So it's a cry for unity. And I find myself in spaces as well where maybe I don't want to always be around people that think exactly the same. Uh, and so I try to be in places where that's not true. And I'm sure I could do better on that. Yes, sir. Good. Very nice, Amy. Thank you. Amy Peeler has been with us. She's the author of Women and the Gender of God. Uh, we could talk. We could have talked about this from 100 different perspectives. Amy, I it's appreciate word, you Amy. being being game for just going into the conversation. And with your us. kindness and clarity in this. Thank you so much. Mm. Well, so glad to be a part of this, and I hope for his benefit and really for the whole church that we might display, uh, we can be good to one another. Amen. <laughs> That's for sure. Dr. Amy Peeler from Wheaton College, author of Women and the Gender of God. Just wonderful stuff. Amy Peeler. In business, everything your employees do impacts your brand, including what they wear. Cintas has high-performance workplace apparel for almost every job imaginable. From work shirts and pants to polos and khakis to Oxfords or T-shirts, these clothes move, breathe, and look great. Your team gets the styles they like, you convey the image you want. And Cintas service includes weekly laundry and delivery. To learn more, visit Cintas.com. Oh, I'm ready! And get ready for the workday. Looking for some extra income? Get competitive pay and flexible hours as a school bus driver with A1 Transit, providing safe, reliable, affordable transportation throughout the tri-state since 1989. Perfect for retirees, this fun, family-run company offers free CDL classes and a sign-on bonus. Must be 24 years or older to apply and must complete a background check. A1 Transit in Lawrenceville. To apply in person, call 412-781-6170. That's 412-781-6170. Hi, it's me, Marsha, at the Springhouse. Did you know Easter's springing up on us? And quickly, too. Do you know what that means at the Springhouse? Well, first of all, it means you can enjoy the freshest, tastiest fried or baked cod every Friday night on the farm. It also means it's time to call and order your Springhouse Easter goodies. Our hickory smoked hams are extra special. We use only real hickory wood from the farm to slowly smoke these old-fashioned treats to perfection. Order a whole or half, and we'll send along cooking instructions, too. Mmm, how about Springhouse scallop potatoes and homemade applesauce to go without ham? Finish off your meal with a from-scratch Springhouse coconut cream pie or custard pie or a chocolate log cake. Oh, you can even decorate your table with our adorable bunny breads and eat them, too. Easter also means our annual Springhouse Easter egg hunt and Palm Sunday feast. Check us out at springhousemarket.com for all the details. Celebrate this most joyous holiday at the Springhouse in 84, Pennsylvania. When it comes to your child's education, do you feel like you have a partner in your current school? Or is it more like you're on your own? As you look ahead to next year, now's a perfect time to consider a quality Christian education with a school who will be a true educational partner for you and your family. Many of our area's finest Christian schools are offering half-price tuitions for first-time enrollees, like Champion Christian School in Champion, PA. 
Find a school that's right for you at wordfm.com slash tuitions. Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus iHeart, TuneIn, and on Odyssey. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it. Or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. Now I'm you know, trying to get better, stronger than ever. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. We'll see periods of rain for tonight. There can be ponding on streets and highways, the low 38. Periods of rain tomorrow. Rain and wet roads may lead to travel disruptions, the high 46. Cloudy tomorrow night with occasional rain, followed by a steadier rain. There can be flooding in low-lying and poor drainage areas, low 43. Cloudy most of the time Saturday. Couple of showers of a thunderstorm. Windy with a high of 68. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Does this make sense? Does what make sense? Disposable razor. <clears throat> now look, it's so much cheaper to get a disposable razor because you-, you, you buy them in packs of like hundred, mm-hmm. or you know, if you're if you're at a you know a big box store, right. or I mean, probably the smallest number is ten or twenty. You can get a lot of them. Mm-hmm. For not much money. You buy a regular razor blade. It's like $12, $16 for two. Mm-hmm. So I ask you, does the disposable razor just make more sense? If you're big on self-harm. No, it makes no sense at all. Would you like rather shave yourself with a butter knife? They're the worst. They're horrible. My brother uses a disposable razor. Still? Yes. It's the worst shave. I'd go uh, one time of the years. Oh, I forgot. My, I use this like the big thing. Yes, it's like shaving with a pen. Yeah, I mean it's horrible. It is so dull. With like they're like the bluish green. I would razors. never, never in a million years use a disposable mm-hmm. razor. And just, I just think it's a poor shave. Now, now women maybe shaving your legs, not nearly as you know worried about. No, I don't know. That's don't, not true. Okay, that's not true. And I'll tell you why, John. I agree with you. It doesn't make sense because. Oh, up until recently, I thought it did make sense. And then one day, I thought to myself... going to buy a nice razor. I thought to myself, does this make sense? I mean, I am bleeding all That's over. That's it. It's just, I have nick and nick nope. and nick and ouch and nope. everywhere. Forget and I need it. to, uh, you know, apply the pain relief gel. You know and why, it, though? You saved 49 cents. I, more than that. I saved a lot more than 49 mm-hmm. cents. Mm-hmm. But I did injure myself repeatedly, and I finally decided it Doesn't didn't make, make any sense. sense. Okay. Speaking of legs, mm-hmm. does this make sense? The little toe. Now, I was, I was looking at my wife's foot the other day. Mm-hmm. She was shoeless, sockless, mm-hmm. and I saw her toe. Mm-hmm. It's a little tiny toe. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how does that little toe? What is that? Jo- what's the job of the little toe? Mm-hmm. It seems superfluous. Mm-hmm. It seems so little. Like how can that really affect the architecture of the arc and movement of the majesty of the human foot? And I see it. And the little the little toe is one thing. How about the toenail? 
I mean, it's like microscopic. It's a little, and then sometimes she paints it, and you gotta go. That is a little tiny little blob on there. So does a little toe uh-huh. make any sense to you? I have if you a friend. Lost I have a friend that doesn't have one. Oh, it was it an accident? Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And does she trip a lot? She cannot balance. What? It. She said you what? cannot imagine how the little many toe. things she cannot do. I'm shocked. So the toe makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's good. 101.5 WORD. I'm Alan Jackson, and I have the privilege of joining you each day to open the Word of God and ask for His input. And I'm convinced the challenges we face in today's world are more spiritual than they are political or economic. Exploring God's Word together is refreshing. It equips us for everything that comes our way. Join me, and let's see what God has in store for us today. A fresh look at Scripture, weekday mornings at 9.30, Alan Jackson Ministries on 101.5 WORD. My nieces asked me the other day, What was your favorite movie as a kid? And the obvious answer is The Princess Bride for the sword fighting alone. I don't like the scary eels in that movie. Or the pit of despair. Agree, but in each dreary situation, along comes a saving grace to make the scary a bit better, right? Even the listeners know you're about to do a crazy mortgage analogy. Just get on with it. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And if you're a person who's been thinking new home purchase, but maybe your credit is a bit dreary, or maybe you don't have a ton of money to put down, the government-backed FHA loan just changed the game with a saving grace. The one negative of these loans was the MIP, or insurance premium, you have to pay. But as of this March, that's been slashed by almost 50%, which means a lot less money wasted, and depending on the loan size, could save you a couple hundred bucks a month on your mortgage. Inconceivable. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Mortgage Corp, Melbourne, New York. And a blessing 1330. Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage lender license 22672. If you have an IRA or 401k, please listen closely. My name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. Throughout my career, let's just say I've been in some hairy situations. And I believe right now the biggest threat facing Americans is they need to protect their wealth, which is exactly what I'm doing for my wife and six kids. And I believe the ultimate safe haven is physical gold and silver. You can protect your hard-earned retirement assets with a tax-free loophole that allows you to convert your retirement into physical gold and silver. The folks I use are Advantage Gold, and believe me, I've investigated the heck out of all types of people. Advantage Gold is the nation's highest-rated gold company. They have the best process, pricing, and service. If you want to get your free gold and silver investment kit, please contact Advantage Gold right now, and you'll see how easy it is to protect yourself with precious metals. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. In 1966, Time Magazine asked, Is God dead? Now best-selling author Eric Metaxas takes that famous question and turns it around when he asks, Is atheism dead? In his bestseller titled, Is Atheism Dead? Metaxas offers a provocative answer as he shows atheism to be not only implausible and intellectually sloppy, but also demonstrably ridiculous. Get your copy of Is Atheism Dead? Available now at Amazon.com and wherever books are sold. King's College in New York City. Uh, Having lived in New York City for a long time, I am always fascinated by the spiritual life of the city. And to think that a seminary... A powerful seminary mm-hmm. of really deep. We knew people who we know people who graduated from King's College. Yeah, it's not a seminary though. It's just not a graduate college. Right. Sorry, but they are rich in their. I would say a seminary outlook. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, right? maybe. Uh-huh. Theological outlook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm always curious about how do Christians gather? Like someone like Tim Keller. How's Tim Keller operating successfully? Of course, believers are everywhere, but you know, New York City, you don't, I, I didn't think about it there while I was there. Mm-hmm. So King's College in New York City is facing closure, scrutiny, and it's looking at its backers who are a Canadian company. Now, do you know, have you followed the story at all? I have followed the story. Yep. Um, and because we've had a number of guests over the years from yep. King's College. So King's College uh, has announced that it will close its doors soon after a Canadian education investment company, <clears throat> excuse me, failed to deliver on lofty promises to boost declining enrollment, according to several staff and faculty members. This is from today's Religion News Service. Meanwhile, Primacore Ventures, which calls itself Canada's largest independent provider of private post-secondary education, has come to be deeply involved in the fate of the school's finances and its real estate holdings. Uh, though it has uh, never boasted more than a 1,000 students, the 85-year-old King's College has risen to become a top conservative liberal arts school and has often been compared to Hillsdale College, another small but influential conservative school, even as many as King's students and faculty fought political labels. So after announcing last month, uh, King's College said last month that it needed $2.6 million just to finish the spring semester. They launched a fundraising campaign that has raised less than half a million dollars. And so faculty are already posting their resumes online. Representatives from other schools set up booths on the King's campus to recruit students. And uh, the chief academic officer and interim provost, a man by the name of Matthew Parks, says, assuredly, this is the end of King's College. That's a heartbreaker. It is a heartbreaker. I know, Lex, you have some friends who went to King's. Yes. And uh, they loved King's College. Did they? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had an absolutely amazing time going there and, you know, getting their education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being there in New York and all of that. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who is on faculty there, and uh, the only thing that I would be, that I think I feel good saying is that the faculty was just taken completely by surprise. By surprise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So King's College was founded in 1938 in um, the New Jersey shore town of Belmore, Belmore, New Jersey. But after several moves, it ended up in uh, Briarcliff Manor, New York. Then it shut down in 1994 after filing for bankruptcy. Five years later, the evangelical ministry Campus Crusade for Christ resurrected King's name and moved it into Manhattan, where it is to this day. King has relied on big money donors and on thin margins ever since. Um, Two uh, billionaires, Richard and Helen DeVos, DeVos, DeVos began giving millions to the school, but soon after their deaths in 2018 and 2017, reflectively, the flow of cash stopped, which is where the college has found itself in these days. That's the DeVos family of Amway fame. Right. Um, I think that Kings, I think this is, this is, Kings is representative of a lot of schools and nonprofits who have suffered uh, in the Trump era because their donor base are largely people who would identify as political conservatives. And their attendees, the students who go there, would identify as political liberals. And the people who are in in administration or fundraising are caught between. Mm -hmm. They're caught between the people who are funding the schools and the students who are going there and the administrators, I feel like they're in a no-win situation. So then you're saying the large donors 
politically are saying, we'll be happy to give to the college, but we would require the money that yep. we spend be spent along these lines yep. and that you would include this style of teaching yep. and exclude this yep. from the teaching. Yep. And so the administrators are going, and of course... You have students who are on the other side of the political spectrum saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And um, yeah, I think that's I think that tug of war has played out across the country in many, many organizations. So isn't this fascinating? You see Christians, no matter what your political stripe, whether it's now become Christian colleges and, of course, Christian seminaries, they all, if you dig a little deeper, you can see their political stripes yep. in their in their syllabus. Right, what they choose to teach, how they choose to teach, and of course the administration and the executive yeah. branches as well. So politics has infused everything. Yeah. I wonder if it's been. Is this something new? I don't I mean, know. I, I mean, I can't imagine a seminary. You know, in the nineteen, I don't know, fifties or forties or twenties, or uh, saying this is our politics and our theology follows along the I same think, form. Uh, I think you'd have to call somebody who knows more about church history than me on that, but just. In my very cursory reading on the subject, I mean, politics and Christianity have been linked since uh, Constantine yep. linked them gotcha. uh, in the Roman Empire. So it, it's not like it's anything new. No. Um, and nations and religions have been linked throughout all time. So that's also nothing new. But I feel like this this maelstrom we're in in America right now is a little bit of a different stripe. It's a little bit to me. Um, more has more vitriol in it, um, Christian versus Christian, than um, I have seen mm-hmm. or read about it. I it would be good to get someone on who has made this their field of study. And Can you imagine being someone on. who is um a, a, who's a grant writer? You make your living as a professional grant writer for College X mm-hmm. or even. You know, schools. We have how many you know Christian schools have the necessity of grant writers. So you've now, do you have to filter all that through the grant writing process? You mean Is, people who are getting grants for like Christian education? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. And that makes that super complicated too, mm-hmm. right? And you know, a uh, a factor that I did not add into my conversation is the parents. So I mentioned that there are donors to colleges who are in large part. Uh, conservative politically you have students who are liberal politically perhaps. and you ha- perhaps these are total generalizations on both parts i admit it then you've got the parents who are weighing in mm-hmm. and oftentimes the paying i've the seen bill. yeah pa- parents are paying the bill first off and they want their students they've decided to send their student to this school because they want to be taught in a certain way and so if they feel like they're not being taught in a certain way then parents get all up in arms and the helicopter well, thing comes we saw out this. and there's Yes, we've seen it in several cases, several cases around the mm-hmm. U.S. where parents have gotten on bandwagons, have ended up, Things you know, blow up the right. advocacy. There's the, been stuff the on meetings, Twitter. Anger. People are writing letters of protest. They're signing petitions, this sort of thing. So now you have administrators, college administrators in the middle of parents, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not only students. It's not only donors. It's also parents. And, you know, it takes me back to the conversation we had with David French, New York Times columnist in our last hour, where he said, and this is a, a something he postulated in his opinion piece this week, are our children suffering from anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation 
because of social media and having smartphones or is it also the fact that we as parents are making them this way? Right. We're the ones who are upset, angry, anxious, pointing the finger, right? The political influence. Hovering over them. Right. Making sure that they make the right decisions or making sure that they get the right grades or making sure that they have the right job or whatever it is. And wow, maybe maybe we can't just hold up a smartphone and say, well, when I was little, we didn't have this. And that's the problem. Because maybe it's me. The sins of the father. Well, <clears throat> that's happy news. Oh, man. Mm, that's, All right. That's good news. All right. We do have some good news. A pioneer of gospel music has been recovered, rediscovered, I should say, in Pittsburgh archives. We'll talk about that coming up next. We're going to close it out on the ride home. Hi, I'm Olivia, and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes. You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing. You were actually listening? Absolutely. I'm like Alexa. Okay, so how does Jandy waterproofing protect your home? By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And? By not giving yucky mold and mildew a place to grow. Pretty good. Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And J&D Waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. By saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage. I couldn't have said it better myself. Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY. J&D Waterproofing. 1-800-VERY-DRY. As the world is being affected by a global food crisis, families in the poorest countries cannot afford to eat every day. With your loving gift, you will provide life-saving food for families and mothers like this. I ask God for help for my children and to give us bread to have something to eat. For over 40 years, Food for the Poor has worked with local ministry partners to bring life-saving food to hurting families. Thanks to generous people like you. But now, more than ever, your help is needed to give food to truly starving families. Will you give a gift of $144 to provide a family of four life-saving food for the next year? Would you answer the prayer of a mother and a family in desperate poverty right now? Will you give right now? Call us toll-free, 855-828-4673, or click the red Give Food banner at wordfm.com. Or from your mobile phone, text the word, send hope, one word, to 91999. I studied Spanish in college and never got fluent. But then I tried Babbel. Want the most effective way to learn another language? In just 15 minutes a day, Babbel's bite-sized lessons will have you learning another language in as little as three weeks. Babbel gets you speaking quickly about things you actually talk about in the real world. University studies have shown that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a semester of college Spanish. If you want to learn a new language, there's no better way than Babbel. Go to Babbel.com to try Babbel for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L. Every summer, Pine Valley Camp changes lives, not just for the more than 100 underserved kids who attend each week, but for the many high school and college-age volunteers and staff who work with them as lifeguards, cooks, camp counselors, and more. If you're 16 to 25, apply now and come help make an impact and change lives in a fun, safe, Christian family environment. Apply today at pinevalleycamp.org. Pine Valley Camp, rebuilding broken lives through Jesus Christ. In Beaver County, Camp Opens mid-June.
the name Francis Pace Barnes, a pioneering music publisher's daughter, remembers how Francis Charles Henry Pace had uh, gospel music just extraordinarily, one song after another, produced. And uh, these songs were stored away for more than 20 years. Uh, Charles Henry Pace, also, uh, as I said, a choir conductor and an owner of a music store in the Hill District, uh, he passed away, as I said, more than 20 years ago, and 21 of the crates of his music legacy sat stored at the University of Pittsburgh, recently uncovered by a man who moved here to the city of Pittsburgh in 2017 as an archivist for the city of Pittsburgh, for the University of Pittsburgh, and uh, is now making his way through these crates, uncovering the history of gospel music here in the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, African-American gospel music composers did not have access to large publishing houses. No surprise there. So Charles Pace learned to do it all by himself. And uh, the archival work is going on right now at the University Mm. of Pittsburgh. It's hard to say how big of an influence or where the influence spread. Do you know what year we're talking about? Yeah, from the 1920s to the 1950s, Mm. uh, Charles Henry Pace. Uh, The bookstore, um, and I'm sorry, the music store up in the Hill District, uh, was a hub, apparently, of Christian music and Christian music publishing. So the University of Pittsburgh will start to uh, go through these catalogs, uncover them, and then publish the songs that and is, the music library listen, as that well. that is so exciting. That's such a fertile time in Pittsburgh history, yep. musically. I don't know if there's ever been a time in Pittsburgh that is as fertile as those years. I mean, uh, remember Smoketown? Oh, sure I do. We talked about Smoketown, which is a terrific book um, about the music scene in the Hill District and around the city of Pittsburgh. Um, I can't think of the author's name right now. He joined us a couple times. But that's I I can really highly recommend that book for you. The uh, music store was first known as Old Ship of Zion (laughs) Music. I like it. Later changed to the Charles H. Pace Music Publishers located in the Hill District. Yeah, from the 1920s through the 1970s. But uh, Charles Pace died in the early 60s. However, the store continued on. And um, gospel singers, choirs, Hmm. all this music, choir, gospel music, yet to be categorized. Awesome. Yep. Also in local news, John, Fern Hollow Bridge. Um, It's up. You can drive across it. I drove across it last night. That's exciting. I haven't driven across it yet. But one thing I'm really anxious is to be able to walk under it because Mm -hmm. I love Frick Park. I absolutely love Frick Park. And, of course, you haven't been able to walk under the bridge since the collapse for obvious reasons. But an article in today's Trib says that Pittsburgh's reorganized art commission yesterday approved an art installation for the bridge. Really? And it's going to be underneath on the walking trail. It's going to feature sculptures and benches what? designed to look like driftwood and river rock, like to kind of call to mind the Fern Creek. Mm-hmm. You look... Suspicious or about nine it. mile run, maybe. Oh, I hadn't thought about mm. that. The installation is titled Trail Meander. It's designed to offer people using the trail a place to sit and reflect, meditate, or socialize. Uh, there will be six benches designed to look like driftwood, as well as six similar sculptures. Um, the river rock installations made of glass fiber reinforced concrete mm. are designed to require minimal maintenance and should be durable. Very the nice. artist to that. I know that bridge so well. When our, our kids were little or we'd walk in that the, the area under the bridge all the time yeah we'd walk to the very like underneath the bridge go to the very top oh and just okay. sit there yeah on which side go to the top oh to the top of the bridge yeah oh okay mm-hmm. i've never i never sit did underneath that. that yeah so it's, oh, it's good okay a little art installation for frick park
I think it's that. great. Yeah. So can you, you? I don't think you can go under it yet. You can't walk under it, right? You know, the the, the fact of the matter is, you could always go underneath it. It just depended upon what what percentage of your life okay. you want to put in peril. Okay. All right. That's all. All right, but is the trail officially open? I believe it is, yeah. I mean, we've got a friend who lives nearby, and she would walk her dog there. Yeah, yeah, it's open. Well, then I want to go. Well, what, you want to wait until it'll the be, artwork It'll be right. nice on Saturday, right? Maybe we could do that. degrees. Raining, though. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.